Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. I want to talk to you over the next four weeks. I love preaching the first week of a new series because I really get to give you a foundation uh, message. So don't miss a single Sunday in this series because it, that, the reason we teach in a series is so I don't have to say everything in one message. You can come back next week and get the rest of it and then come back the week after that and get the rest of that. And, and I'll continue to do that. But I, I want to talk about uh, fruitfulness in your life. I, here's, uh, I didn't put this on the screen, but I want if you're taking notes, and all Christians take notes in church, so I know that you are. But I want you to write this in your, <laughs> in your notes, that God demands productivity in my life. I'm going to step on toes. Is that, I told you I came loaded for bear today. So y'all, whether y'all have fun or not, I'm going to have a good time preaching this because I really do feel this. I think over the last two and a half years, culture has beat out of Americans' productivity. It's why every business you go by, there's a now hiring sign. It's why they still haven't opened the lobby at Dairy Queen. Because they can't get enough workers to make my tacos, Pat. And, and so I still got to go through. It's, it's why businesses are shutting down. Because during that season of COVID, maybe we needed to stay away from one another for a season. But it really changed American culture and global culture such that people would rather stay home. And they would rather be unproductive than being productive. And I'm, I'm coming to you two and a half years later. You'd think that we'd be over it by now, but we're not. I'm coming to break up the lie of the enemy that you can be a Jesus follower and only be a taker. You are supposed to be a contributor. We are supposed to live productive lives. You're supposed to get up in the morning, put some pants. I'm helping somebody that's got teenagers. Put some pants on, take a shower, take a shower first, put some pants on, and go to work and do something with your life. Jesus did not save you just so you wouldn't go to hell. He saved you so you would get on mission and join in the co-mission, the great co-mission with him to reach the world. Say amen to that, everybody. You're supposed to be producing things in your life. You are more than a taker. I do not want you to be a church of takers, of consumers, of I'm just here to receive. I know there's seasons of your life. I know you may be here today for the very first time. I'm glad that you're here. But at some point in your faith journey, you have to realize I'm not just here to take. I'm here to produce. God called me to have fruit in my life. Shout amen to that, everybody. You're supposed to be a producer in your marriage. You're supposed to have a healthy marriage. You're supposed to have healthy families. We're supposed to have healthy churches. We're supposed to have healthy communities. And the only way to measure health is productivity. That things are growing locally in your life. I'm going to tell you a story that I thought Brandy would tell me not to tell you. Because I told it in first service. And as I was saying it, I thought, "Uh uh-oh. This is one of the ones not going on the podcast, but she, she didn't catch me. I hid from her the whole in-between services, so I'm telling it. You'll know why when I open up. A month ago, I was in a hot tub with a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around. We were, uh, we were in another state. We were in South Carolina, and 
Uh, we were at a great resort and a beautiful time. We had a day uh, in between, and so we had a little time alone. How many of you know you take trips when your kids are there? It's vacation when it's just you and mama. Come on, somebody. So we was vacationing, no, no kids. And, um, and so we were at this great resort, and there was a hot tub, and there was, a, there was an older guy in the hot tub. It was just me and him. And he was in his 70s, and he was from Chicago, and we were in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and we were kind of, it was just, it was cool. And he was the most interesting man I'd had a conversation with in a very long time. And we stayed a long time having a conversation. And this guy had worked for, he's a scientist, he's a retired scientist who had worked all of his career in environmental studies. As a matter of fact, he was an inventor. He'd invented several recycling processes that we use today. Uh, the reason why, uh, if you go into a public place and you see uh, where you can uh, discard your needles and they're replaced, uh, and they're, he invented that. He owns a patent on it. The guy I'm in the hot tub with. Um, and, and, so, and, and so I'm intrigued. And he, and he worked a lot with the FDA about food and creating certain standards for the FDA in the 70s and 80s for how we... Uh, grow food and, and what we talk about. And he talked a lot about organic. He was very in shape in his 70s, and, and I was just intrigued uh, by that because in my 40s, I'm not as in shape as he was in his 70s. Let's say it that way. And so I was intrigued by what? And so I asked him the thing you don't ask somebody. You know you know when you go in the back of a restaurant and you immediately regret going in the kitchen of the restaurant, right? Because you used to like it, and now you're like, ugh. Baby, we can't eat here no more. <laughs> and, and so I immediately regretted asking him about food. And I said, hey, you know, what, what should I know? What, you know, what do I avoid? And he kind of laughed. And he said, well, there's a couple of things. And so one of the things is salmon. He said, I fought against uh, the idea uh, at the FDA, but, but it, it happens anyway. Uh, when you buy salmon in the store that isn't uh, 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 sustainably caught or wild caught, if it's farm raised, they actually put pink food coloring in it to make it look like salmon, but it's white. It would look like chicken any other way. I just ruined lunch for all y'all, didn't I? He was like, don't ever, don't ever eat that. And he was like, don't ever eat uh, uh, non-organic milk. I'm, I'm just, this is helping y'all today. Don't, don't, don't drink non-organic milk. And I won't tell you why, but uh, it had the word pus in it. So anyways, and then <clears throat> I'm going back to the Bible in a minute. And then and then, he, and then he talked about uh, beef, and he talked about what, uh, how we, you know, feeding cows grain and all that, and, and to eat grass-fed beef. Where's all my steak eaters? Come on, somebody. Yeah, it's Texas. You know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, anyway, he just talked about grass-fed. And, and he talked about to buy organic as much as you could and local as much as you could. Now, look at me. Uh, there, I, I think, obviously, there, there's a market and there's marketing behind organic. But I think there's some truth to locally sourced and knowing where your food comes from. Are you with me, everybody? All right, now listen. If it's true in your body, it's true in your spirit that there's some stuff that you need to be organically growing in your life. Anybody got a garden? Where's all my gardeners at? Keep your hands up just so in case the zombies come, we know where to go. Over there? Good. All right. You, you, there's some stuff you need to grow in your life. There's some stuff you don't need to buy. I'm, I'm helping you. Listen to it. You're going to have to read between the lines here. You don't need to buy from somebody else faith. You need to grow some organic faith. You don't need to buy from somebody else faithfulness. You need to grow some organic 
faithful. Are you with me? You don't need to buy from somebody else their prayer life. You don't need to rely on your mom's or your dad's or your spouse's prayer life. You need to grow organically a prayer life with God. Are you with me there? There's a fruitfulness you need to have. And, and I, know that, I know that locally grown food has become all the rage. And the Bible reveals that in a local church, there ought to be some organic spiritual fruit that starts growing in your life. In the life of a believer, there ought to be some organic fruit that you've got. Are you there? Organic spiritual fruit is the goal of this series, and it ought to be the goal of your life. Organic means it's not tainted by, it's not destroyed by. They didn't spray chemicals all over it. And your life and my life as a believer, there's got to be some stuff that is organically grown in us, that's not tainted by the world, that's not corrupted by culture, that's not, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't ask our political party, what do you think about this? It doesn't ask Facebook, what do you think about this? It goes to God's word and says, what is some organic stuff that I need in my life? And I don't want the world's opinion on it. I want God's opinion on it. And I want it to grow out of a healthy life. Can I get a better amen than that? You need some organically planted and nurtured and watered and fertilized and pruned and grown fruit that becomes mature so that you can be the God-honoring, Jesus-loving, soul-winning, generous, praying, serving, worshiping believer that's going to change the world. I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, this series is not for consumers. You're going to hate this preaching series because I got to wake you up out of slumber that faith is for me to take in when really faith is, is a fertilizer in my heart for me to produce something in this world. That I, I'm supposed to have something in my life that shows my faith. Let me give you the theological foundation for it. Write it down like this. Justification is when you're made right with God. Put that in your notes. Justification is when you're made right with God. You can't do anything to earn it. It's when the righteousness of Christ is impugned to you as a sinner. It's when you come to God with all of your sin, all of your problem, all of your mess-ups, all of your hang-ups, and you repent of that sin, and the blood of Jesus is applied to your life. You receive the free gift of grace. You are made right with God. Are you with me there? God the Father, when He looks at you, He doesn't see your past, your sin, your mistakes, your, your, your family tree, where you come from. All He sees is the blood of Jesus that covers your life. You are justified before God. You can't earn it. You can't do good works for it. You can't do anything to make God love you anymore or accept you anymore. You accept the finished work of Jesus on the cross, and that justifies you before God. Shout amen. amen. This is the part you're going to struggle with. But this isn't a justification series. This is a sanctification series. And justification means you're right with God. Sanctification is when your life shows it. Sanctification is when you are the Christian you say you are. 
Sanctification is not a one. You're justified one time in the moment of, of God. When you, that new birth experience is justification. It is supernatural in its existence. But sanctification, that's a dirty, messy word that means you get up on Monday morning and you tell your flesh when you look in the mirror, you are not in charge today, buddy. You are not doing anything you want to do. You've got to have some spiritual fruit in your life. You don't get to ask the world what it thinks. you got to grow some organic stuff in your own life. That's sanctification. That's saying, okay, God, I want you to form me. The Bible says that Christ may be formed in you, Paul says in Philippians. There's something about your life being formed in Christ and Christ being formed in you. That's why Paul would say to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He doesn't mean you work for salvation. He means once you're saved, you work the salvation God gave you. That's sanctification in your life. That's you growing some stuff in your life. Are you still there? So I want to give you the best, what I think is the best illustration in the Bible of this idea of organically growing something that you need. This particular passage is so important because it's sandwiched between some important things in the Bible. John 15, if you have your Bibles open up, put your finger at John 15. Look back two chapters, John 13, look at me. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's at the Last Supper with his disciples. He is about to be crucified. They share the Passover together. Turn over two more chapters the other direction. John 18, Jesus is uh, on trial. He's arrested by the Romans. He's on trial throughout the night. Two trials actually that happened through the middle of the night. And then he's crucified the next day. John 15 is right in the middle of these two pivotal things in his life. The Last Supper and the crucifixion. As a matter of fact, John 15 is the last conversation at the Last Supper. And it reads like this. John 15 and 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Let me pause here and tell you that God is watching the garden. I don't have time to teach this to you, but don't for one moment believe that God is disinterested in your life. If you've ever planted anything and you wanted it to grow, you know every day you walk out there and look and see, did it grow any today? Do I have any tomatoes today? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do I have any, are there any flowers growing today? Okay, nothing's growing today. And the Bible says that I'm the true vine, Jesus said, and my Father is the gardener. And because He walks the garden... Matter of fact, in Genesis 2, the Bible said he walked the garden every day in the cool of the evening. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Underline, cuts off. In your Bible. See, if you didn't bring your Bible or notes, you see how everybody's doing work and you're not. See how this feels? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, 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 kinda, I'm not kidding. He, <laughs> he cuts off. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit. But watch this. But every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do to it? What does he do to it? He prunes it so it will be even more fruitful. I'm not teaching this today. Come back in a couple of weeks. I'm going to teach this to you. There are two cuttings that God gives you. The first is when you don't produce fruit. The second is when you're producing fruit that he wants to grow better. And what you're experiencing in your life right now may not be punishment. It may be pruning. 
It may be the gardener coming through your life going, I like what I see, but let me cut out some weeds around it. Let me let it, let it grow healthy in your life. So he prunes some stuff, and you're already clean. This is not about salvation. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And then Jesus says, remain in me, and I also remain in you. The King James Version, I grew up on King James, says abide in me, and I'll abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. I don't care what internet preachers tell you. You need a church family. You cannot be all by yourself. You need a small group. You need a team. You need a family. you got to remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And Jesus repeats himself again. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear. Everybody shout much fruit. You'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, every self-help book you read, every counseling session you go to, every time you try on your own, every rehab facility you've checked into, every 12-step program, apart from me, you can do nothing. You may be at a season in your life where you feel like nothing's working. Nothing's going right. I can't seem to get this together. I don't understand. I've tried all this stuff, and I just can't get it together. Apart from me, you can't do anything. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask. Look at this. Look at verse 7. If you remain in me and I remain in you, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Imagine having the kind of relationship with God that whatever you ask for, I'm asking for height. I feel it growing right now, Chris. Look at me. I got my new shoes on. I'm a couple of inches up than I was when I got here. Listen, anything you ask, it'll be done for you. Verse 8, here's the theme verse for our time together over the next four weeks. This is to my Father's glory that you bear, everybody say much fruit. And if you do, you show you're my disciples. Imagine your last meal. Jesus is at his uh, last meal. I told you, verse uh, chapter uh, 13, he's uh, at this last supper, and this is a conversation that he has at the last meal. You ever had that you're, you're, the conversation like, what would you eat as your last meal? You know, Anybody would have steak? Where's all my steak, people? Is your last meal the best steak you've ever had? Yeah, you're Texans. You're easy to tell. Um, anybody, anybody... Where's, where, um, how about Asian food? Where you at on that? Yeah, that's me. S- somebody just raise their hand for both. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, how about authentic Mexican? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like good. Yeah. The, don't you hate when you go to Tex-Mex places with people and they're like, it's okay, but it's not authentic. <laughs> how many of y'all would have Tex-Mex as your last meal? That's what I'm talking about. Yellow queso. Como se dice, flour tortillas. (laughs) Jesus is at his last meal. He's at his last meal. What would you talk about? Would you talk about the light bill? Would you talk about how much money we have left? What the score of the game was? Or would you talk about something you wanted people to know the most? If you're at your last meal with the friends and family that you love the most, what do you talk about? You talk about the thing you want them to know the most. And Jesus, at his last meal, talks about the thing that I want you to know the most. Boys, I'm about to die. 
guys, I'm about to go back to my father, and I need you to know some things. There's something i got to talk to you about. Maybe I haven't explained this well enough to you, but I'm going back to the father, and I need you to know that I'm the vine and you're the branches, and my father is going to expect some fruitfulness out of you. Look at me. When I go back to the Father and I send the Holy Spirit in my name, the Holy Spirit is not for you to walk around with status. The Holy Spirit is for you to walk around in service. You didn't catch that. I'll tell you again. The Holy Spirit is not for status. The Holy Spirit is for service. God gave. He said, when I send the Holy Spirit in my name to you, my Father's going to come look at your life and expect something out of you. He said, I I want you to know it's not enough to be faithful. I want you to be fruitful. Uh, Fruitful people are naturally faithful people, but just because you're faithful doesn't mean you're fruitful. I met a lot of people who show up who don't really let God show out in their lives. I've met faithfulness is the average life. It's the reasonable service. Fruitfulness is the abundant life that God wants you to have. Faithfulness is the floor. Fruitfulness is the abundance and the ceiling. Faithfulness opens the door for God's blessing. Fruitfulness walks in with boldness to the throne of grace. Faithfulness is just, it's the reason, the Bible says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and this is our reasonable service to God. Fruitfulness says, God, I don't just want to give you my body as a reason. I don't just want to do the bare minimum. What do you want from me? I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere, say anything. God, I want my life to be fruitful because God expects growth from every area of your life. Say amen to that. Your spiritual life should be growing. Your prayer life should be growing. Your marriage should be growing. Your relationships should be growing. I'm going to get to where you live. Just stick around. Your emotional strength should be growing. Can I talk to people? You shouldn't be taken out by every bad news that you get. At some point as a believer, you're going to have to mature enough to go, hey, I've seen God work in this. This isn't going to get me shaken. I've got some emotional strength in my life. I'm growing in my life. Your love for other people should be growing. Your passion for the lost should be growing. Your capacity to do hard things. Come on, look at me. (laughs) Adulting. No, you're not adulting. You're just producing. You're doing the hard thing. Get up in the morning, put your pants on, and go do what God's called you to do. I got to be fruitful in my life. Listen, because the gardener's coming to look. There are two judgments at the end times. People are always interested in the end times. I may preach in October about the end times a little bit. Good. Thank you. (laughs) I hope you make it. I'm kidding. (laughs) There are two judgments. The first one is the judgment seat of Christ. It's where goats and sheep are separated. It's heaven or hell, right? That's the one everybody knows about. But there's another one called the great white throne judgment. It happens after you're in heaven already. And it's the one, it, God doesn't ask you what you did about salvation, what you did about Jesus. It's literally where God looks at you. It's called the judgment seat, of, uh, 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 the white throne judgment. It's where God looks at you and says, now what did you do with what I gave you? Uh, you made it, but now what did you do with all that talent I gave you? What did you do with all that opportunity? 
What'd you do with all that, all, all, that, all that calling I put on you and purpose on the inside of you? The Bible calls it a reward. There's a reward to be handed. Did you know that? We get rewarded in heaven for how we lived our lives on earth. That's the great white throne judgment. Everybody listen to me. The gardener is looking. And he's looking for fruit in your life. Everything should be growing. Everything should be expanding. It's a fact of nature and it's a fact of life. Write it down like this. Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. That's why our church is growing. Healthy things grow. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father's the gardener. And he walks through the garden and he knows what he's looking for. In another uh, uh, gospel, he tells the story of the talents. You know this story if you've been around the Bible very long. But the master goes away on a trip and he leaves his uh, possessions. He entrusts his possessions to his servants. To one servant, he gives one talent. To another servant, he gives two talents. To another servant, he gives five talents. I don't have time to preach to you on capacity. But he gives them each uh, what they're able to, to, to hold, the, the capacity that they have. And he returns from his long trip, and the one with five talents doubled it and, and gives his master ten talents. And the one with two talents doubles it and gives his master four talents. But the one with one talent, you know this story, he buries it and he said, I knew you're a hard man, and I knew you would want me not to lose this. And the Bible said he took that one talent and gave it to the one with ten who now has eleven talents. And he cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and ganache of teeth everybody why because I didn't expect you to hold on to it I expected you to produce with it I'm going to preach to you next week about seed everything in your life is seed from God God didn't give you something just so you could hold on to it God gave it to you so you could plant it and get harvest and fruit out of it God didn't give you this marriage just so you could hold on to it. God gave you this marriage to see what we can do. I tell couples all the time, young couples come to me and say, Pastor, we want you to marry us. And I, I look them right in the eye and say, why y'all want to get married? Well, we love each other. I mean, uh, is that it? <laughs> Partner, that ain't it. Anybody married over 10 years, that ain't it. <laughs> that ain't it. Here's what I'm looking for. It's because we can do more together than we can do apart. Because we got mission together. We got calling together. Are you with me, everybody? God didn't give you those kids just so you could complain about them. God gave you those kids so you could raise them up into be world changers. They're seeds that God gave you to plant in the ground. God didn't give you that job just so you could pay your bills and buy a bigger house. God gave you that job so you had seed to plant. I'm already preaching next week. So you could plant it in the ground. God expects return on his investment in your life. And the Holy Spirit is His investment in you. The Bible said it's the seal of the promise inside of you. And He expects a return on His investment. That there's fruitfulness in my life. And if He doesn't see it, there's precedent in God's Word that He curses it. Jesus is walking around one day with His disciples. Matthew 11 and 12. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. My God. Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, He went out to find what? Fruit. When He reached it, He found nothing but leaves because it wasn't a season for fruits. Uh, it wasn't a season for figs. And he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. A couple of verses later, they walk back by the same fig tree. It's cursed, it's withered, it's dying. I was praying about this passage for this message for you. 
And I said, God, I don't, this doesn't make any sense. It wasn't the season for figs. God said, yeah, I know. It just had lived through so many seasons, it never matured to the season for figs. Now look at me. How many seasons are you going to have to live through before you finally start producing? <laughs> Jesus said that wasn't the first time I've passed by it. I've been knowing that tree. And there's a lot of Christians, not y'all, but in 9 o'clock. There's a lot of Christians who are all leaves and no fruit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> all hat, no cowboy. <laughs> Tons of superficial things. If you look from a distance, they look spiritual. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, you know Greek in the New Testament. That's good. You can speak Greek, but you hadn't spoken to your spouse in two weeks. I told y'all I was coming for violence today. Oh, you oh you got a form of godliness. It looks you just don't have any power in it. Okay. Oh, you can speak in tongues. That's good, but you lie in English. Or Spanish. <laughs> you go to three Bible studies a week, two women's group, four men's group, two Christian memes on your Facebook. You got your favorite church card decal on the back of your deal, but you're not connected to the vine. And Jesus said, Oh, I can see there's leaves everywhere. There's just no fruit here. And he curses that fig tree. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just warning you. The gardener's coming. And he's looking for fruit in your life. God doesn't want you to be fruity. <laughs> he wants you to be fruitful. <laughs> Come play. Anybody know fruity Christians? Don't look around. Just <laughs> look right at me. Right? God doesn't want you to be fruity. He just wants you to be fruitful. He wants your life to be who you say you are. He wants there to be some organic spiritual fruit in your life. Because healthy things grow. Healthy things should be growing in you. Healthy marriages should be growing. Healthy emotional people should be growing. Mental health should be growing and expanding in your life. I'm not telling you never struggle. I'm just saying you should be growing. You shouldn't be where you currently are a year from now. I ask you this often. I'll ask you again today. Maybe you've never heard me ask it this way. But I'm asking you for a year of your life. You come to church here, I literally, I'm asking you to come for one year. But listen to me. I'm asking for a whole year of your life. Like do everything. Like get in a small group. Lead a small group. Come to men's night, women's night, family dinners. Come to church on Sunday. Serve on a dream team twice a month. Tithe 10% of your income. Bring your students to every student night. Bring your kids to everything we do. Do everything. Everything. Come to 21 days of prayer at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'll be here. I'd love to see you. Give us one year of your life. And if your life isn't better a year from now, listen to me, I'll help you find another church. I may even go with you. <laughs> right? Because healthy things should be growing. Now, this is a healthy church, and I think it is. You ought to be growing in every area of your life. Now, here's the, here's the kicker, and I'm done, and we'll pray. If healthy things grow, write this down. If healthy things grow, and they do, then healthy people grow up. Healthy things grow and healthy people grow up. Healthy things grow and healthy people grow up. Over the next four weeks, I want to help you grow up in some areas of your life. I want you to have some spiritual fruitfulness, some maturity. I want you to grow up in God. 
I want you to grow up in faith. I want you to grow up in how you live. I want you to, I want you to finally grow up in your understanding of spiritual things. I want you to grow up in prayer. I'd love to have you this week. It's week two of 21 days. I am so proud of you. I, I've come at 6 o'clock in the morning, honestly, here. Just, I just walk around here crying. Just, I mean, people. My place is full of people praying at 6 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because we're desperate for God to move in our life. I want your prayer life to grow. I'd love to have you this week. You say, well, I hadn't been here for now. It doesn't matter. Show up tomorrow. Come as many as you can. I want your prayer life to be growing. I want, I want your communication to be growing. I want you to find other words than cuss words. I want, I, I, want, I want your communication with your spouse to be growing, not yelling all the time. Are you with me, everybody? I, healthy things grow and healthy people grow up. I want your Bible reading to grow. I want your fasting to grow. I want your soul winning to grow. We're, we're in a season... In, in American culture, listen, well, not everybody's going to say yes to an invitation to church. You're going to have to learn how to share the gospel. You're going to have to learn how to say, hey, you can get saved right here in the, in, the, in the car rider line on the way to pick our kids up. I want you to grow in that. I want there to be fruit in your life. Because when the gardener comes, I want him to find hundreds, thousands of people at City Hills who have grown up, who've matured, reason why we pray for our kids is I want them to grow up in church. I want them to grow up around God's people and God's house and prayer and worship. And small, they're in small groups and they have worship and they have prayer. They do everything we do. You know, for 21 days of prayer, they'll have prayer request cards that come up here tomorrow morning. We'll pray over their cards that they're filling out right now. Some of them praying for y'all. <laughs> Help mama, she mean, you know, whatever. Why you do that? Because I want them to grow up. You may be 40 in here today, 55 in here today. And there's some areas you still need to mature and produce fruit. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. God, what area of my life isn't growing? God, where am I not connected to the vine? God, what area is just leaves and no fruit? God, what area of my life do you need to, if this is you, if you feel that disconnection, if you feel like there's areas you need to grow, if you feel like the Holy Spirit's maybe pointing His finger in your heart at some area, would you just be bold and raise your hand? Say, include me in this prayer. I need this. Hands up all over the house. Hands are up everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Put your hands up. I see you. So now, Holy Spirit, come on, pray this way. God, show me. God, show me, show me the areas of my life that I need to grow over the next couple of weeks in this 21-day season. God, as the seasons change and we head into the autumn, we head into harvest, I want to be productive. I want to be fruitful. I want our marriage. I want my spiritual life. I want my children. I, I want my grandchildren. I, I want our legacy. I, I, want, I, want, I want it to be productive and fruitful. God, I can't keep living immature as a Christian. i got to grow up in some areas. Show me where. Teach me. I'm committing to growth. Every area you show me, God. I'm committing to a growth environment to surround myself this fall in a small group with other believers who are growing and want to grow together.
Now, if you're in church today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, you know you're disconnected from God. You know you're not connected to the true vine. It's the only source of happiness and joy and fulfillment. Not just life in eternity, but life today, tomorrow. It's all about you're connected to the vine. Is my life really in Him and He and me? And if it's not, or if you don't know, I'd love to lead you in a prayer of surrender today. I don't want to single you out, but I can't pray this prayer for you. I can only pray it along with you. So everybody in the room, I pray it with you. Pray like this, Lord Jesus. I thank you for dying for my sins. Here's the part you got to pray with sincerity. And I give you all of me. Come on, tell him, I give you my past. I give you my sins, my mistakes, my mess-ups, all my hang-ups. Forgive me. I repent. I receive your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. And I give you my whole life, not just my past, but my future, my hopes, my dreams. Save me today in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.